Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Super excited to be here. I think you mentioned off camera that you are in sunny California right now. Is that true? I, I was born and raised in Northern California. Um, now I, I live in, Den in the Denver, Colorado okay, area. So that's right. I, yeah, that my wife exactly and I moved right. here in, in 08. You kind of threw me off the scent, you know, when we were talking off offline. I mean, I'd done my research and threw me off the scent. I thought maybe you'd moved in the, short, in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, share a little bit about Tim with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, I was, you know, I was born and raised in, in Northern California. It was, uh, it's a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, it's certainly changed a lot now, but, uh, when I was there, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. And, you know, I, I never, I wouldn't say I was one of those entrepreneurs who started and, you know, I was selling baseball cards or had a lemonade stand. I wasn't one of those people, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, uh, I got out of, you know, in college, I always liked math. I was like, you know what? I don't know what the heck I'm going to do, but I know I can use math in all kinds of places. So I majored in math, graduated, still didn't know what I was going to do. And my dad had been an entrepreneur for, for a long time. And um, shortly before, about a year or so before I graduated, he had started a distribution company that was related to his other business. And I said, hey, let me just, let me help you out for a summer. You know, there was no full-time employees. Let me, let me help you. It'll help me get on my feet and figure out what I want to do. And three months later, I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I love this. This is, this is amazing. And I found, uh, so myself. I found my path. Yes, I found my path. It's like this. I was, I was learning. I learned more in three to six months of doing that than I did in four years of college. You know, college was the experience. Hey, brother, the real you made learning. Path. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, I just got hooked and I loved it. And so I ended up becoming the first full-time employee for the company and ended up managing it um, day to day. You know, I was a partner in it and we grew that business for, you know, about 10 years. We grew about 60% a year, um, wow. which was sometimes got a little squirrely, you know, as you're doing what you can to, to try and catch up. Uh, but it was an amazing experience. And then we, you know, we sold and I got out of that. I was in real estate for a while. So I, I went from a real high to a real low in real estate. I did not enjoy it. And I got to the point where I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to get out of bed and do this today. This is just, this is a nightmare for me. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I got to switch gears. And that's when I got involved in what I'm doing now, which is marketing. And uh, so that, that's my path in a nutshell. So tell us a little bit about family and you know, education. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, education wise, I mean, I, you know, growing up, it was never a question whether I was going to go to college or not. So I went to college. I, you know, I graduated from UC Berkeley in Northern California. And like I said, I was a math major, um, family, I, you know, I'm married, I have two kids, you know, two girls, 10 and nine. And, and, uh, like I said, my family moved out here in 2008 and, uh, to Denver and we've been here ever since. So, you know, Colorado is a great place. I love being outdoors. I, you know, I mountain bike, ski, play golf, and this is a great place for that. So, well, I don't know if you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see behind me yes. the mountains out, out the window. I'm actually in uh, Asheville, North Carolina right now at a, a retreat center. And this is one of the very few 
interviews we've actually done on our, on remote in the la in the three years we've been doing Rising Tide. But I needed a little getaway, and we just decided to head to the mountains. And and uh, if you ever move east, I mean, this this would be a nice substitute for for the good spot area for sure. It's a good spot. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, in Colorado, I feel so spoiled because I mean, the mountains in Colorado are some of the best you can get. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's just a great place. But even growing up in Northern California, I mean, I spent a lot of time in, in the Lake Tahoe area growing up. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of skiing there. And um, it was just fun. I'm, I'm a mountains person, obviously. So, Well, there's, there's that T-shirt that says, the mountains are calling and I must go. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's definitely your, so it's in your DNA. So I'm yes, curious, if you look back at the time that you were working kind of with your father's company, or actually, you know, the company that you guys probably had together by that yeah. time, but, um, can you see like a natural progression? I mean, uh, even with the real estate blip in the middle, can you see a natural progression from there to what you're doing now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, what I would say is just the entrepreneurial path is not straight. It's, it's a winding road. And, you know, what my path was, was my path. You know, it's like where I am today is where I'm meant to be at this point. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, you know, when I, when I got out of the distribution business, um, it was, you know, it was that 09 timeframe, late wow. 09. Yeah. And, fun. you know, I had always been interested in real estate. I, and I wanted to learn it and I figured, Hey, if I, you know, if I'm going to learn this, I might as well just be a residential realtor and I can learn the business, learn the ins and outs. But I went from a business to business setting to more business to consumer. Mm -hmm. And, I also went from an industry where like, whenever I told people what I, what I did, cause we sold home theater equipment. I mean, people love that stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's like, so every time I talked, people were always interested when you're a realtor, it's like, you're always looking for business. Mm -hmm. And it was every so hard for me to turn that off. Yeah. And I just, it was not a good environment for me. I didn't like it. It put me outside of my comfort zone a lot. And there was a lot of things that I did that I learned from. And so, you know, I, it is what it is. And I learned a ton by doing it. But when I decided to get out of it, I looked back on what did I love about being in the distribution business? You know, it was dynamic. It was changing all the time. Our customers were great. I loved working with them, loved helping them. I mean, our marketing there was, we did training. We helped people, we helped them grow their business and our business grew as a result. You know, websites were around at that point, but they right. were informational sites, yep. not anywhere close to what they Perfect. are today. Yeah. And so I started looking at marketing. I said, you know, look, marketing is the same thing. It's dynamic. It's it's changing. And when I initially started Rialto Marketing, we were focused solely on mobile applications. Mobile apps were really hot at that point in time. And so I said, look, I'm just going to jump in with both feet and learn this and do it. And, you know, I've certainly had some shifts and, and pivots along the way. You know, what we're doing now is is quite different than what we were when we originally started. But, you know, those things happen. And I, I don't know, I've always felt like, you know, the only constant in life is change. And you can either embrace it or you can fight it. But yeah. if you choose to fight it, it's just going to cause way more headaches than you need. I, it's, you know, you kind of preempted my next question because I was going <laughs> to ask you kind of what was the, the pivot point from real estate to marketing and because it's that's not a that's not necessarily a natural you know i go to bed one night no. as a realtor and i wake up the next morning i'm a digital marketer i mean it's there was a, yep. a, something that that i mean what was kind of the trigger or can you can you look back and say you know what i saw this 
vision on the back of a book somewhere that was written, you know, digital marketing, and I Googled that. And Yeah, I wish I could tell you it was that clear cut. It was really more, I saw an, mobile apps were really hot at that point in time, and I saw an opportunity that I thought was really interesting. And again, thinking back to what I loved about when I was in distribution, it was dynamic, it was changing. And I, and I saw that in the mobile app and the marketing space. And so I said, I'm, you know, I'm just going to do this. Well, you know, what ended up happening as we, because we were very niche, we were doing mobile apps, we were doing some mobile apps in the small business space, but most of it was focused in the K-12 education space. You know, because as a parent, if I want to get information about a school on my mobile phone, usually it's a disaster. You can't yep. go to their website. There's too much information there. Half the time it doesn't display on a mobile. And so, the, you know, I'm going to do this. Well, three years into that, Apple made some pretty drastic changes in their publishing guidelines that heavily impacted mobile app providers that were in my position. And I said to myself, oh, my God, this is app the policies of apple and google can really have a huge impact on my business yep. i mean they could literally shut me down right and i said this is not a good place to be i need to i need to shift right. and at that point i started thinking about okay well where where how can i shift what do i need to do and that's when i started looking at you know look we need to get more focused, more working with more small businesses and specifically service-based businesses because, you know, I was used to that. Um, and I said, we need to have comprehensive services and we need to build this out so that we can really be that single point of contact for these business owners. Because a lot of business owners, I mean, they're wearing multiple hats. They're trying to do all kinds of different things. And in a lot of cases, they're not the best people to be managed their marketing. Yeah. And they end up managing, you know, I've got a website guy here and I got an SEO person here and social media here. And when that happens and they're not sure how to manage those people and they're not sure what those people are supposed to be doing, th their marketing efforts become really disjointed and they kind of crumble. They're even kind of, could so, be counterproductive. I mean, those yes. individuals could be accidentally counterproductive. I mean, yes. Yeah, it's not intentional. Each other, but it's like this guy's trying this and this person's trying this and they're, you know, they're actually you know, warring against each other. So. Yes. So, you know, I just saw an opportunity there to be an outsourced marketing partner for them, be a single point of contact where they just, we're just an extension of their, what they're doing and, you know, help them grow. Cause you know, the bottom line is whether marketing is your, your thing or not, you can, you have to have it. If you don't have it, you don't have a business. You can have the best product or service in the world. And if you don't have marketing bringing in leads and new customers, none of it matters. All right. So it's, I mean, it's crucial. It's really important. I remember I was watching a, just a, a clip of an interview you had done with a, with an, you know, on another podcast. And I think you, you were talking about the kind of the ideal space of, of having, you know, the clients that you have. You were, I think the, the example you gave was if you have like five clients that are paying you $10,000 a month, you lose half of those clients. I mean, you're suddenly in crisis mode. Yes. And that really stood out to me because I mean, and even hearing you just a second ago, you're, you're always kind of in this evaluation, kind of this rolling evaluation of balancing, you know, the, the number of clients that we need with the service we can provide, you know, how do you, it's, it, it really is sustainability. I mean, yes, 
see that written all over your face. This idea that how do we grow sustainably? You know, yeah. How do we grow sustainably, and how do we do the best we can to insulate ourselves from some of these negative things that can happen? And and we all know that this year, yeah. it, with you know, who who would have thought that we had this pandemic? But it's so many people, we've all learned a ton of lessons from it, but it's having some redundancies within your business, having some diversification within your business, I think is really key. You know, we, I mean, as a marketer, we, you know, I talk about specializing all the time, you know, having a niche, but having a niche doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to work with only clients in this one specific space. Right, because think about it. I mean, there's businesses that were focused on retail, hospitality, you know, restaurants. They're, I mean, they got they got ruined overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Closed overnight. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I mean that sucks. It is so. It's just crushing to see that happen. Um, and that's not to say that it wouldn't have been difficult had they been diversified. Um, it's. I still think it would have been. It would have been difficult, but at least if you have diversification in your business, you can pivot quicker, and and get back up on your feet quicker. Um, you know, because some businesses are just killing it in this market, and and others are not. And you know, I, I think we'd all we'd all love to say that oh, it was because we did this, but a lot of it has to just do with luck. You know, if. If you're in retail and hospitality and restaurants, you you got crushed, and there yeah. was not a whole lot of that of that that gamble. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it's been interesting to see how some of these businesses have pivoted mm -hmm. and tried to adapt. You know, the restaurants, you know, okay, great. Uh, so we can't have people come in. How can we how can we serve people through drive through? I mean, right. you know, we still want to get out of our house and still do things, and and so I mean, it has been interesting to see how some businesses have done a really really good job of of adapting and, and doing the best they can to continue to thrive. I, I saw a funny meme that said, why can't we get the Chick-fil-A drive-through guys to come up with a COVID vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they uh, run 800 cars through a drive-through in, in 42 seconds. Why can't we? Yes. They, um, figure that they out. have their system dialed yeah, in. It is dialed in. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, you have to, you know, because it's like even there's only so much patience we have. So, you know, I think a lot of people said, you know, hey, look, I know you're having a hard time. I, I'll accept the fact that this has not been a great experience so far, but people are going to have so much patience. You, you got to get on your A game as fast yep. as you can. Microwave society that we, that we yes. live in for sure. So yes. Let's drill down a little bit on Rialto, the, the team that you have. And then uh, I want to kind of follow that up with, you know, how you've had to pivot this year or have you had to pivot? Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, team wise, I mean, I, you know, Rialto, we're, we're a small company. It's me. I've got three full-time um, contractors that, that work as part of our team and they're all remote overseas. You know, so I have a couple people that are in the Philippines. I have another um, person that's in Croatia. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of our fulfillment is, is through partners, you know? So when you, when you look at the marketing space, it is far too broad at this point to be great at everything. You yeah. just can't. Yeah. And where I think we really excel is on the strategy and the fundamental side of it, laying the foundation for marketing success. 
and then we can certainly implement some of the tactical things, website design and, and um, you know, and social media and content. But a lot of the other services that we offer, we just, we bring in people that we know are great. They're going to do great work for our clients and get good results. But they're behind the scenes and the client is still dealing with us as the driver for what they're doing. Um, so, you know, and that's the nice thing about, you know, in marketing, you don't, there's so many, so many people don't realize this. Most marketing companies don't do everything in house, right? It's so common to collaborate with other marketers and just bring in the talent that you need to get the result that the client needs and, and wants. Um, so, so that's the, you know, that's the team and, and what we, you know, what we've done from, uh, you know, f how our business has pivoted this year. Um, you know, we honestly, we've benefited from some of the stuff that's been happening because so many people have realized, oh my gosh, my online presence is critical to my business, especially now. It was important before this whole pandemic, but it has really brought it to the forefront for so many businesses mm -hmm. that I've got to invest in my online presence. And so we, we have benefited from that. Um, but what I will tell you is, you know, I mean, I, we had to pivot, uh, you know, because uh, a lot of our, I shouldn't say a lot, some of our leads were being brought in through speaking. You know, I mean, I'm an expert-based business. I've got to build credibility. And we were doing, I was doing in-person speaking. Well, that like shut off overnight. So we've had to move some of that stuff online. We, we doubled down on content. So we're producing, actually, we're producing more than, way more than twice the content we were before. So um, that's really where we've invested heavily for our business this year. And, you know, it's, you know, it's worked. Um, it's, you know, it's bearing fruit. Um, but marketing, it's, there are some things you can do to generate immediate leads. But a lot of the things we do from a marketing standpoint take time. It's an investment. All right. Especially, if, you know, if you got a company spending five grand a month, 10 grand a month. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't happen over, a, you know, a, an email that you just fire out to somebody, you know, dear occupant, you know, yeah. dear, <laughs> dear sir, I got your name from LinkedIn, you know, yes, this is the service we provide. So you, you do have to build that relationship. But um, I, yeah. I do like the way that you you have uh, kind of not that you necessarily shifted, but you've kind of reacted to the necessity of businesses wanting to you know, really increase their online presence or seeing the need that they have to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, the, the content that you provide on your site, would you say that the, the primary purpose of that content is lead generation or, or sales, or is it resourcing current clients, or is it some mixture of the two? It is, it is all about, for us, it's all about establishing credibility and adding value to our target market. You know, if, when I was in the distribution business, we did the same thing. It was all value added. Mm -hmm. Let's train you, we're a resource here to help you. Yep. And our business grew naturally from that. So I am very, I'm very educational based and focused with what we do. I just feel like, look, all the information we need to be successful is online. There are some people that want to, will take that information and they can just run with it and implement it. And then there's a lot of people who read that and go, okay, I understand it, but I still need help. You right. know, whether it's from a coaching standpoint or from a, I just, this is not the highest and best use of my time. 
I need somebody to do it for me. There's, there's always going to be a certain percentage of people that need that. So I've just always taken the approach, look, we're just going to give away this stuff for free. It's fine. And a certain percentage of these people are going to go, I appreciate that. And I, I agree with what you're doing. I need you to do it for me. Right, right. You know, or I need you to show me how to do it. Exactly. And keep yeah. me accountable. So it's very, it's more just to add value to our target market, but then it helps with SEO. You know, it helps build credibility so that, you know, because look, I mean, there's a lot of marketing companies out there that will tell you to do something and then you look at their own online presence and they're not doing any of the stuff yeah. that they tell you to do. Yeah. So I've always felt like, look, I, if I'm going to tell you to do this, I got to walk the walk, mm. you know? So I got email marketing in place. We're doing content. We're, we're on social, you know? So all these things that we're recommending, we've actually used in our own business. And frankly, it makes it a lot easier for us to be able to say, hey, look, this is why you need to do it because we've we've done the same thing. Your business is no different than ours. Right. So, that, you know, that's kind of how we've we've approached it. I, I really like that. The, the, the whole idea that says, you know, we're actually selling you a service that we actually implement in our own. Business. <laughs> you know, you're, you're here because we did the things to get yes. here that we're telling you to do to get someone else. So, yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd rather test on my business than than a, than a client's, um, you know, now having said that marketing is all about testing anyways. You know, we can we can take frameworks and models that we know have worked in the past, but there's always little nuances for each business and things are always changing. So you've got to always be on your toes and and evaluating, hey, what's going on with our plan? What are the metrics that we're tracking, telling us what's working, what's not? And constantly making those slight shifts and course corrections to just optimize as best you can. Do you have a favorite social platform? that you use? <laughs> uh, I don't like any of them. Um, we use them. So I, I have favorite for any of them. Yeah, yeah. Have you, um, I, and you're asking me this when I just got done watching The Social Dilemma on Netflix. <laughs> have you watched that? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we could talk about that for a long time, but um, you know, I've never been a huge social media person other than using it to for my business. So personally, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, um, but I met within the business. Uh, yeah. Yes. For my business, th my two favorites are LinkedIn and Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, we're, we sell B2B. If you are in the B2B space, right. I think LinkedIn is invaluable. There's so much going on there and you know, the people you can connect with there, I mean, you start to think about, my God, what did, what do we do before this? Mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing. The, the information you have at your fingertips is crazy. Um, and Facebook, you know, everybody's, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people are on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even if you're in the B2B space, your clients are still there. Um, so those are my two favorites. I think that uh, as I've, I've listened to you talk about, you know, kind of what you do and how this was birthed, I mean, I'm trying to get a sense of maybe what's the ideal space or what's the sweet spot, you know, in the B2B market that you really, the, the niche that you fill. And it seems like it would almost be like a small business that is not large enough to have their own marketing department, but yet they are large enough to, to, to spend substantial amounts of money on marketing or at least 
a, an adequate amount of money on marketing. They're not they're not saying we have a hundred dollars a month marketing budget, and that's all. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um. That right. I'm, you're pretty perceptive there, Kevin, because I I think you're 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 really close. So you know we. Our ideal clients, they fall into service-based businesses, you know, so coaches and consultants, professional service providers, and and home service businesses, so contractors. Right. Um, those are our three ideal client types. From, from a marketing spend standpoint, we really have a couple different pools. One is those people that are looking for that outsourced partner. You know, they're spending two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month, sometimes more. Um, but then you also have, you know, the, the smaller companies that aren't investing a ton in their marketing. Maybe they're spending less than $500 a month. We still have those types of clients as well. And, you know, honestly, my thought process on that really comes from my experience in the distribution business. Because, and you mentioned this early on where you heard me talk about this in another interview. If I have, you know, five clients or 10 clients that are spending $5,000 a month with me and nothing else, I'm vulnerable. Right. I don't want to be there. Right. I want to work with clients like that because they'll drive volume. But if I have that one basket of larger clients and then another bas basket that has a lot more clients in it, but not as much revenue, it's still driving a consistent base of revenue that insulates us from some of these larger clients. And it also is a pool of potential clients that as their business grows, they become larger. Mm -hmm. When I was in the distribution business, some of our best customers started out doing nothing. And a lot of people write people off like that and you never know where people are gonna go. Right. You know, most people look at the, oh my gosh, you know, they only did $10,000 worth of business with us last year. And then five years later, they're, you know, they were doing, half a million dollars or a million dollars worth of business in the dish when I was in distribution. If we would have treated those people like crap, they, ne they never would have gotten there. Or ignored them altogether. Exactly. Yeah. Or ignored them yeah. and just said, ah, they're not worth it. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it's a mix, you know, so we, some marketing companies will have, you know, Hey, we only work with people that are in this space. And, and I get that. And that's totally okay. I've just taken the approach that, you know, I want to do what I can to help people. I mean, certainly you have to have some money because I can't help you for free. Right. Um, well, I can. You can go look at all the content we produce and that's going to be helpful. But when you get to a point where you do have some money to invest, there's something that we can do to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love the way, that, but I think, you know, we amateurs tend to look at this as like a static, you know, photo of, of you know, a, a snapshot in time where you're looking yeah. at it more. It's, it's a dynamic video. It's saying, you know, my ideal client, I, I can I can picture what that looks like, but that may not be them right this moment. If they'll if we'll work with them, we can grow them into that ideal space. You know, yes. thing. Yeah. But if we didn't take them on earlier, then they would have gone past us and been with someone else that that did that did want to, you know, grow with them or walk with them through that yeah. process. So. You know, it's for me it's really the you know the industries are important you know i mean again i think we excel more in the service-based space mm -hmm. um but it's also the psychographics you know it's where what are their what are their thoughts feelings kind of where are they at what goals do they have you know what are their viewpoints on on marketing how do they feel about marketing if they don't view marketing as as an investment something they need to do consistently you know if they're impatient uh, 
that's not going to be a good client for us. You know, they need to view it as an investment and something that where they're okay with partnering with somebody to help them through that. If they're in that headspace, they can be good clients for us because they're going to work with us. They're going to partner with us. It's, I, you know, I can't do this in a box. I mean, I have a fair amount of business experience and I can learn quickly. Um, but it's your business. You know it best. You know, go back to when you were in the kind of the home audio, you know, yes. setup where you're saying, you know, a lot of what we did was education. We were educating our, our clients and training and that type of thing. And the same thing is true now. I mean, when you talk yes. to a client, it really is an education process to move from the viewpoint of marketing as an expense to marketing as an investment. And it, you know, they may not be there when you first start talking to them. They, they just say, what's the ROI on this? Because it's gotta, it's gotta be a positive ROI or I'm not even gonna look at it. I mean, it's gotta be within yep. the first three months or it's, it's dead money. And you know, the whole idea that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not in this for the long haul. I've got to have an instantaneous return microwave results, you know, type. Yep. you've got to say this does take a little while, you know, yep. stay in the boat with us, you know, type thing. Well, and I, I want to do my best to set proper expectations, you know, because if, because those are not realistic expectations. Yes, right. there, there are some things you can do to generate more immediate leads, right? I can, I can do paid ads, you know, or I can do direct mail, things like that, that may drive more immediate leads. And those have their place, but there are a lot of things that you have to invest in and say, Hey, you know, I, we're going to start to produce content and it's going to be a minimum of 12 to 18 months before we really start to see things spinning here mm -hmm. or SEO, you know, that's going to take time. Yes. Are there some quick wins that we can do uh, and accomplish along the way? Yeah, there are, but uh, you know, this is not a, a switch. It's a flywheel, right? You got to feed the flywheel. And once the flywheel is going, you're going to be in good shape as long as you continue to feed it. But yeah, immediate gratification. That's, that's not a good headspace for our ideal clients to be in at least, for, right. at least for, for me. And Mr. Math major, I'm going to have to ask you, is, is this formulaic? Yeah. Uh, so I, mean, I, I think you're thinking in those terms. So, but is this like, okay, you do a, then B will happen over time, over, over time. I think in general, you can say, yes, if you do these things and you do them correctly, you, you now will start to see results in there now. <laughs> yes. You will see results, but Changing I think the any, in the formula. <laughs> yes. But you know, anybody that tells you from a marketing perspective, you're going to, we can guarantee this return. Uh, they're, they're full of it because yep. there's too many things beyond our control as marketers that impact your results. What I can tell you is we follow these frameworks these checklists, these processes that we know have worked for people in the past, they are currently working. And that's why you should do them too. Because we know that if they're working now, odds are they're going to work for you. But we're going to, as we manage this and as we carry out this work, we're going to, we're going to keep track of what's going on. Right. You know, there's so many people that say, oh, well, I did this or I was working with this company and I don't know if it worked. Well, that's a problem. Yep. You, you should be able, there are some things in marketing that are very difficult to track, but there are a lot of things that you can track right. and you should be tracking those things. Yep. 
And if you track them, it will start to tell you whether the actions that you're taking are having an impact. You know, I also think it's very, as a math major, I mean, I can get super analytical. There are so many metrics with marketing that they're just vanity metrics. They don't mean anything. Yeah. Oh, great. You have 10,000 visitors coming to your site. Cool. Are you bringing in any new customers? If you're not, then it doesn't matter. Exactly right. Yeah. So they're from Afghanistan and they're never going to buy anything. It's, it's a yeah. Who cares? So, you know, it's, I mean, I, um, you know, I was talking to a, um, potential client a while back that had a podcast and they were doing, they were doing fairly well. I mean, they were in that, you know, a, a thousand to 1500 downloads a day range for a podcast, which for a lot of small business podcasts, that's, yeah. that's pretty decent. Um, you know, I mean, it's not a, you know, million, it's not a upper echelon podcast, but it's enough traffic where they should be generating business from it. They weren't generating any business from it. And they've been doing it for like two years. Mm -hmm. And with those kind of numbers, they should be generating leads and they're not. Yeah. And so, you know, that's where we looked at, you know, we looked at them and said, well, hey, you know, I can already see why you're not generating leads from this. You know, there's, there was some, some messaging issues. There was no call to action. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a call, tell people what you want them to do, they're never going to take the action. Yep. So, you know, with some little tweaks, I think they're going to start to see some, some much better results from that. But, you know, at the end of the day, what matters from a metric standpoint with your marketing, how many leads are you generating? Mm -hmm. How many of those leads are you then converting to customers? Right. Because then you can back, work your way backwards and go, okay, if we want to get, you know, 10 new customers, we now know based on our numbers that we need to generate X amount of leads. Yeah. That's how you can start to make your business a whole lot more scalable. Have you, uh, when did you start Rialto? Uh, it was like late, it was 2013-ish. Okay. It was late, early 2013, I think. So you've been, I mean, you, you have a, a, you know, kind of a, a run. So you have a track record. You can kind of go back and show case studies that say, you know, over a three-year period of time or over a five-year period of time or whatever, these are the results that we got. So it's not like you're talking, everything's talking future speak. You know, you're saying, we intend to see these these results. So as yes, you're talking, and, you have that. And the other thing too is, you know, I mean, I belong to a consultant network. Mm -hmm. One of the things when I shifted, I joined a consultant network, um, the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network, yeah. because I knew that I could leverage the expertise through that network. Um, you know, so it's not just me. I mean, a lot of the people, a lot of the businesses in that consultant network are doing very similar things. So. You know, we just, we have a track record, not with just our clients, but all our, our whole network, you know, and a lot of the stuff that, you know, like we want to, from a fundamental standpoint, you know, one of the fundamentals is messaging. You know, I didn't, I didn't create the messaging framework we use, you know, it's from a company called StoryBrand. There's thousands of businesses that have used oh, it. Works. We, yeah. we know that it works. Yeah. Um, and it's, it makes sense, you know? And so I, we're the frameworks and the models you need to be successful. I don't care what business it is. They're all out there. You just have to find the ones that resonate with you, that you understand that make sense and, and use them. And don't plagiarize. Yeah. And don't plagiarize. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, look, you can make those, you know, you can make them your own, right? 
You know, I, I, the other thing I say too all the, all the time is there's really not a, hot, a whole lot of new ideas out there. It's just people repackaging them and communicating them in a way that, that it made the most sense to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, some, I, may, I may say something to somebody and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and somebody else, you know, we're, all, we're both talking about the same thing, but they've changed the language a little bit or tweaked it a little bit. And it makes sense to that person. And that's all that it is, you know? So it's, you know, we're just taking things that we know work and make a lot of sense to us. You know, like we focus on the fundamentals of marketing first because they lay the foundation and, and then we build from there, you know, but a lot of the tools we use, we didn't create, I, you know, I just found people that were already using tools that worked and found a way to implement them in our business. Well, I, I have, uh, you know, systematically drawn out kind of a micro seminar from you in the last 30 minutes <laughs> of, of how, how small business can, can really do marketing well. And, and we touched on a number of things. I mean, even your journey talked about, you know, messaging and the importance of SEO and the importance of staying the course and the importance of educating your customers and customer and the idea of looking at your customers at, you know, in a dynamic fashion instead of in a static fashion and just a number of other things that we've touched on. But as we're, as we're wrapping up today, I, I really want you to kind of look back over the time, some say from 2013, 2014 to now, mm-hmm. what, what are some, some, you know, just one or two really key lessons as a founder, as a, as a CEO, as a, as a boss, you know, that you, man, I wish I would have known those, you know, what I know now, I wish I would have known in 2014, it would have made life much easier, you know, kind of, kind of agnostic, you know, business agnostic or or industry agnostic, but you know, what are, what's one or two just key takeaways for our listeners? Sure. I got, uh, I've got two. One is focus on the next measurable step. I think as as business owners, it is so easy to get overwhelmed with all the things that we want to do. You know, we look at the, you know, the lofty goals that we want to reach and we start to list all the things that we need to do to get there. It can be completely overwhelming. And I think we need to break things down to the next measurable step. When you can break things down into much smaller bits and pieces, all of a sudden it becomes clear one, what you need to do next, but two, it, it becomes much more um, realistic. You know, you're like, yeah, I can do this. I just need to take each of these steps. So that's one. Two, what I would say is from a marketing standpoint, do not skip the fundamentals. You know, the fundamentals to me are who's your target market, what's your messaging to that target market, and what's your plan? What's your plan to get that message in front of the right people? You have to have those three things in place to have long-term marketing success. And as I said early on, without marketing, you don't have a business. So, you know, and I struggle with that. I mean, I was a marketer and I didn't start honing in on these fundamentals until probably three and a half, four years ago. Um, And I wish somebody would have told me that in the beginning. Um, You will save so much more time and so much more money if you hone in on the fundamentals first and then get tactical, get your website, go on Facebook, start producing videos. But until you have the fundamentals in place, you're just going to spin your wheels. 
but it so, might, may look pretty doing that but yes the results, won't, the results will not be there so yeah they they won't the you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time and money and you're gonna wonder why things aren't happening and what a way to wrap up today. Is there anything that, that I have not asked you about that you just want to close us out with? And then tell our listeners where the best place to find you online. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the best place to find, find me online is at our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. So that's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. We also put together a, um, a page just for your listeners. There's some, fun, some of the fundamental stuff that I just mentioned. There's some resources there that's totally free. Um, that's a, um, I'll, sh I'll shoot you the link on that and you can okay. put it in the show notes. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the best place to go. And then from there, we produce all kinds of content. We've got our social links there. We've got a podcast we do weekly. So that's the best place to start. So was Rialto like your hometown in Northern California or something? Where no. So great question. Rialto was, is a bridge in Venice. So there's the Rialto bridge yeah. in Venice. My wife and I went there on our honeymoon yeah. and um, I, so it, I chose it for that reason, but I also chose it because I view, it's a bridge, right? That's exactly what marketing is. It's a bridge that helps you get from where you are to where you want to be. So that's how it came up. What a, what a way to end our, our podcast today. And thank <laughs> you for just taking the time. It's, it's been a, it's been a great chat. Just, uh, I mean, I, I love the way that I, your eyes lit up when I asked you that math question and, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> took back, to, you know, the, the way back machine there. But, uh, yeah, you, you just gave you a chance to geek out on something, you know, in the middle yes. of that. So it was, it was it was your dream, your dream interview here. But that's uh, it. Uh, we really appreciate you just taking the time today and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Tim, how awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on. Yeah. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.